Which patient groups are most likely to develop or die from long COVID? Find out about this and more today's PV Roundup podcast. What made you want to choose a career in medicine? Tell us your story. We're collecting stories from the healthcare professionals in our audience about why they chose to pursue a career in medicine. Send us an audio recording of up to four minutes about your journey into medicine. Please include your name, degree, specialty, practice setting, and location. You can also submit a text version of your story to be read on the show. Email us your story at editorial at pbroundup.com for the chance to be featured on a future episode. I'm your host, Senior VP Medical Director, Dr. Tim Wright, coming to you once again from a snowy Pioneer Valley in Western Massachusetts. Here are today's stories. The occurrence and symptoms of long COVID-19 vary based on disease severity, gender, and other factors. In a study of 204,805 patients with COVID-19 in Sweden, long COVID-19 was diagnosed in just 1% of those not hospitalized due to the virus, compared with 6% of those who required hospitalization and 32% of those admitted to the intensive care unit. The most common new onset symptom in non-hospitalized patients was fatigue, 29%, compared with dyspnea for hospitalized patients, 25%, and ICU patients, 41%, with female sex, previous mental health disorders, and asthma among factors associated with higher risk. In a related study, the National Center for Health Statistics found that more than 3,500 Americans have died of an illness related to long COVID. While CDC data show that women are more likely than men to develop long COVID, the study found that men accounted for a slightly higher percentage of long COVID deaths. Most of the documented long COVID deaths occurred in older people, with adults between 75 and 84 years old accounting for almost 30% of the deaths, closely followed by adults 85 and older. Almost 80% of the deaths occurred in non-Hispanic whites, The death rate was highest at 15 per every 100,000 persons among American Indian, Alaska Native people, and lowest amongst Asians. Next, we look at a study comparing chlorthalidone, which was first approved by the FDA in 1960, and hydrochlorothiazide, which was FDA approved in 1977 and is currently prescribed more often than chlorthalidone for hypertension. While early studies suggested that chlorthalidone was superior to hydrochlorothiazide in patients with hypertensive, more recent observational studies have shown that the two drugs reduce cardiovascular events at similar rates. Additionally, chlorthalidone may be associated with an increased risk of adverse events, including hypokalemia. The study, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, followed 13,523 adults aged 65 years or older at a median follow-up of 2.4 years. It found that there were no significant differences between those randomized to continue therapy with hydrochlorothiazide or switch to chlorthalidone for the composite primary endpoint of non-fatal myocardial infarction, stroke, heart failure resulting in hospitalization, urgent coronary vascularization for unstable angina, or non-cancer-related death, with 10.4% versus 10% respectively with a p-value of 0.45. And finally, we learned that long-term use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs show no protective benefit in reducing inflammation or slowing progression in osteoarthritis of the knee. In a study evaluating structural biomarkers on MRI over time in patients with moderate to severe OA, investigators found that in 277 patients who used NSAIDs for at least one year had worse joint inflammation at baseline than the 793 patients who did not use NSAIDs. 
At year four follow-up, NSAID users also had significantly higher increases in signal intensity of the infrapatellar fat pad, p-value 0.001, and higher increases in effusion synovitis, p-value of 0.01. And that's today's Medical Roundup. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine.